It's time for another episode of Mainly Modifieds, where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. Let's join the Race Chaser Media crew in the studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Mainly Modifieds. I'm Tom Baker from Race Chaser Media, and I will be joined, as always, by uh, New England journalist Kyle Souza. And uh, we're going to this will be an interesting show today because obviously we're getting closer, aren't we, to finally kicking off the Wheel and Modified Tour for 2020 at the Jennerstown Speedway in Pennsylvania. So a lot uh, to talk about with regards to that. A couple of New England tracks getting open and getting some things going. So we're going to um, wrap up and kind of recap what's been going on over the last week in New England motorsports in general uh, and all the latest with regard to the series, um, Modifieds and other uh, that uh, that are racing in New England right now. Kyle's going to talk to us about all of that as we um, get into the show more, but uh, we are going to have a special interview first with um, a driver that I think is really probably even yet a little bit underrated. I think Chase Dowling is a driver who could easily progress beyond New England Motorsports and Modifieds if the opportunities fall his way. And Kyle had a chance to talk to him this week. Of course, uh, he's going to be running the Watts 82 this year on the Modified Tour. And this is kind of an interesting setup for Chase with uh, what is sure to be a limited number of races um, this could be an opportunity for him if he and Danny Watts and the group can really get off to a good start. You never know what could happen. And so uh, going to be a, an interesting interview with Chase and uh, to get his thoughts on what's going on in 2020 and talking about um, his opportunity with Danny, which actually came last year. Uh, and continues uh, into a full season or what will constitute a full season this year. So uh, Chase will be our feature interview, and he is coming up right around the corner. So we're looking forward to having some fun this week. Once again, I'm Mainly Modifieds. We're going to get it all started with the interview with Colin Chase right after this. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider Motorcycle Air Suspension at strutmasters.com. Welcome back to this week's edition of Mainly Modifieds as we catch up with Chase Dowling, who is competing in a variety of different rides in 2020. He's done that throughout his whole career. Obviously, 2020 a little bit uh, delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Chase, want to welcome you in. Uh, I want to start by talking about your NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour career so far. What position that's put you in uh, to get into 2020, starting winning the Rookie of the Year, uh, a good four five years ago with Jamie Tomano as the car owner. Then you end up with Bob Caton. Then you end up with Rob Fuller and LFR. Almost, you know, put yourself in a position where you're going into the last race, kind of in contention for the championship. I know Justin dominated that year, uh, but you guys were right there with him. Last year, a mixed schedule with Jamie. Then you end up with Danny Watts. Now you're ready to go with Danny. I mean, what has this roller coaster ride been like for you uh, to get your tour season kind of rolling off the ground? 
So Jennerstown coming up this weekend, but let's back up and talk about Jamie Tomino, a guy that's been around uh, for a lot of years, and that that's not a knock. You know, we're not calling him old or anything. He's just he's got the experience on the modified tour uh, up north, down south. You know, lived both places, jumped back and forth. Uh, what has he kind of meant to you, giving you that opportunity to come out, start your tour career, and end up winning the Rookie of the Year? But then last year, kind of merging back together with him uh, on a limited basis, like you said, you guys were fast, and it seems like there's a connection and a chemistry there that works. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jamie obviously had my back when I started tour, gave me the opportunity. And then, um, you know, last year I was down North Carolina for the winter and stuff. He kind of asked me, like, what are you doing this year? I said, I really don't have any plans to go tourist, to be honest with you. And I was kind of in a different mindset back then and just trying to figure out other things in life. And Jamie says, you have to run. So sooner or later, I went to the shop, and there's a brand-new car sitting over there. He says, all right, we'll put it together. You know, he put a lot of it together, and I went over, helped out in the shop. And, you know, we went to South Boston right off the back, qualified second, finished second, and then kind of just kept rolling. Went to Stafford for the spring sizzler. We were leading, ran up front. We were really, really, really fast and just had a misfortune there at the end. And we felt like that one got away and went to loud and finished third. So, I mean, it was just like, it was just really fun. Jamie, Jamie's an old-school racer that still has it in him, the old-schoolness, which is fun. It makes it fun for everyone to go racing. It's not all about, like, we need to have, you know, X amount of dollars. We need to have a stacker. We need to have a total. We need to have four cars. I mean, it's not like that with Jamie. It's just like, how can we get to the track each week to try to compete? And that's what it was kind of cool with working with him. And obviously, like I always say, he takes the shirt off his back and help me out. Yeah, and he's given you an opportunity now to kind of bolster yourself into this ride with Danny. You mentioned Danny's upgraded his program uh, a little bit. Obviously, last year he wins with Pit Cat, uh, and I've talked to a lot of people about obviously that Wall Stadium race was was more a demo derby uh, than you know than a real race. But he wins that race with Woody. They end up parting ways. You end up in the car. I mean, he's upgraded that program. You run a couple races with him last year. You're a top ten car. I mean, what is kind of the expectation, the mindset going into what's definitely going to be a limited schedule uh, on the 2020 season due to this pandemic? What do you kind of set as your expectation with that ride? Uh, I got a lot of expectations going into this. I just, I mean, kind of leading off of what we did last year, Jamie and uh, Jared, the crew chief over at Danny. It's, you know, that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's, it's a big chemistry it's, of trying to make things work. Using a 51 car works. It's not because they only have two good things going. It's, it's a big, big combination. You know, I kind of felt that chemistry working last year, starting at this offseason. You know, Jared, the crew chief's been building new cars. Danny's been giving Jared everything he kind of needs to, you know, make it a season where it's like we could kind of almost have those breakout years where everyone's like, man, I, I always knew Danny Watts was always around. It's good to see him run up front again. So I think we're just, I think we're just putting all our, all the pieces together finally. And, um, 
I think it's going to be something people are going to be surprised about this year for sure. And it's not going to be that that car shows up and everyone's like, oh, they're a top ten car. It's going to be like, hopefully, it's going to be one of those cars that it goes. Uh, yeah, they're going to be top three. We got to watch my speed charts in practice because that's a good car to judge off the kind of thing. So I'm really looking forward to it once we get going. Is there any extra incentive behind the season knowing that there's definitely not going to be 17 races? You're probably looking at more between six, eight, you know, maybe 10 at most. I think that might be pushing it six to eight races. I mean, this seems like a championship caliber year for you. You guys really can't make a mistake, but you might be right there with guys like Kobe and Bonsignor knowing that if they make one mistake as well, you're going to be in a real prime position to try to win a title. Is that, is that on your mind too? Or are you just trying to go out race to race? I think we're going to go out race to race. I mean, obviously this whole, COVID stuff has been taking a toll on everyone. You know, if we get going through the season and we feel like it's not really worth it to keep going, um, we might just say, let's just, let's just wait it out and wait for winter to come and go full force again next year. So, I mean, it's everything's still kind of up in the air. I mean, obviously, we want to go racing. That's what we do. But, but we just got to make sure it's smart on everyone's part and really want to race. And we're just excited to have these new cars go out there and see what we can do. So it's kind of one of those things here. They're excited to go somewhere, but at the same time, you got to make sure it makes sense for everything to go and actually go to the racetrack. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully everything plays out in everyone's favor. So you're going to be going to Jennerstown this coming Sunday. Also on your uh, plate for 2020 is a full-time season at Stafford with their SKs. They're going to be opening their 2020 season tentatively, they're hoping, on June 26th. So that's now uh, just over a week away. I mean, what's the anticipation like there? You grew up there uh, running Rookie of the Year in their SK Whites, their SK Mods. You've won in the SKs. You've been up there in the MRS as well, Uh, the Open Shows. What is this going to be like, in a sense, basically coming back home to run really the toughest division probably in all of the country on a weekly basis? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's crazy how life goes on. You know, through the years you find people and meet people and have connections and sponsorship. And, like, this car, like, they're, they're lettering it today going through it all. And it's crazy. Like, they probably have, like, seven, eight people that are on board. The biggest one's Dan Avery and the cool ones, Mr. and Mrs. Poolins. And I mean, there's just, I mean, there's so much people that make it happen. And it happens to like Michael Sold and his crew chief. And there's the crew guys that are going on the track. And I mean, there's the sponsors on that car. It's just incredible. Kerrigan, SNS Asphalt, Dave, and Hokan. I mean, it's just, it, the list goes on and on and on. And it's just kind of really cool to have everyone be a part of that whole deal. So Michael Sullivan built that brand new car this year. And I think we're going to have pretty high expectations going to Saturday this year and trying to win for wins over there. Is there any uh, championship aspirations over there? I mean, we know that division is really tough. you got Ronnie Williams, Keith Rocco. You raced Keith for a championship a couple years ago. I mean, that it really is the toughest division one. It's probably the toughest weekly division anywhere in the whole country. Uh, so is there a championship outlook or same type of thing as the tour? Just want to win as many races and kind of let it play out? I mean, just kind of let it play out. I mean, everyone kind of says the same mentality, but everyone really knows deep down you want a championship. I mean, that's... One thing I've always missed at Stafford, a championship between the SK Lights and SK is like two points, four points, six points. Like it's been so close every time. So it's something obviously I want to accomplish, but honestly, it's going to be hard. And we really don't know what's going to happen with schedule. I don't know if tour races are going to be on Friday or what the deal's going to be. So obviously, we're just going to play it by ear. And I mean, it'd be awesome if we can attend all the races. Be uh, 
So back at Stafford, and also finally, uh, before we let you go, back with TriTrack again in 2020. Their 2020 schedule obviously also tossed in the blender uh, and kind of redone here at the beginning. They have an announcement coming out this week about their first race. But racing for Jimmy Page, you guys have had success together, uh, and you seem to unload fast at the track. So another kind of situation there where you've got good chemistry, you've got really good equipment, and you're going to put yourself in a position on that tour as well where you can win just about every time out. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's awesome. Like I said, it's all about opportunities and meeting people, connections, sponsorship. And uh, I've been obviously very fortunate to have people, especially Jimmy Page, try and track stuff, open stuff. So pretty excited. Hopefully we get back, obviously, with that whole stuff coming up shortly, too. And I mean, it's just been very lucky and grateful the past few years of my recent. Well, that's been Chase Dowling. Chase, I want to thank you for taking some time uh, to talk with us a good 10 minutes uh, of content between Chase and myself as we get ready to roll on with the 2020 season starting this Sunday at Jennerstown. When we come back from the break, we'll talk about Jennerstown, uh, talk about what Chase, where Chase might fit in in this championship battle uh, on the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour. We'll talk about Stafford's reopening plan and more. We will be right back on Mainly Modifieds. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds as we bring in Kyle Susan now and uh, do a little bit of follow-up to that interview that uh, you just heard with Kyle and Chase Dowling. And, and Kyle, I, I have to say that, uh, you know, Chase really seems in an interesting position this year. He comes in with some experience with Danny Watts. Uh, and, you know, Watts has proven, that team has proven they can be successful and win races on the tour uh, and run up front. They've got the equipment. Chase is certainly a driver. I mean, I've followed him since Legends, and um, he's a driver who's, you know, as hungry as it gets, and I feel like he gets into any piece of equipment and instantly makes that equipment better. Um, what do you see as Chase's prospects for this year on the tour, especially given the scenario that we obviously are going to have a very limited number of race events that comprise this year's tour to begin with? Uh, where where do you see Chase falling in here on the tour this year in terms of championship hopes or um, you know where do you where do you think he falls? Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Uh, and Chase has got so much experience in the modified ranks. That's yeah, he not does. Just on a level. Uh, on the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour, not just on a level on, on series like Tri-Track, MRS. He's got experience on the local level, and you, you heard us talk about that in there, uh, competing at Stafford for so many years. Uh, we talk a lot about Stafford just, just because they're such a building block. If you want to get up to the Modified Tour and you're a young gun, 
trying to come up through the ranks. Stafford's probably a good place to start. Uh, the competition at Stafford on a Friday night, especially in their SK and SK lights, is, is probably just as good as it is on the tour Yeah, uh, from, a, from a standpoint of strict competition. Uh, so you watch what Chase did there. It's up to the modified tour. You know, he talked about the, the eventual breakup uh, with Rob Fuller after nearly winning the championship. You know, they were 80-something points behind, I think, at the end, but they were second. Uh, and really the only car that year that could stay somewhat lockstep with Justin Bonsignor speed-wise. So he leaves Danny, uh, Rob Fuller. Uh, and he kind of falls into this ride with Danny Watts last year after running a couple races with Jamie Tomano at the beginning of the year. It's a good opportunity. Uh, it's a good opportunity for both of them, not just Chase, but Danny Watts as well. Uh, Danny's one of the guys in the Modified Tour Garage that literally puts every ounce of effort uh, into competing for wins and hopefully for him uh, a championship on the NASCAR wheel and Modified Tour. He puts in so much time, so much effort uh, to try to get to the front of the field. They've got some good equipment now, and I think – Really, Tom, you said, I mean, there's going to be less races, and we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. I think that since there's going to be a few less races, at least I think you're probably looking, you know, realistically between 6 and 10 at most, and I think 10's a little bit more than you're going to get. You're probably looking between 6 and 8. Yeah. This could be the opportunity, we said it last week, for somebody else, other than Justin Bonsignor and Doug Kobe, uh, to, to slide up in there and contend for this championship. You're not going to be able to make a mistake, probably. Uh, in the six to eight races, and Dowling comes to mind as a guy that just is very consistent, doesn't wreck his equipment that often, uh, and when he does, it's usually not his fault, and that puts him in a good spot going forward. Yeah, I mean, it's just a weird situation because I feel like somebody like Chase, if he if he goes to Jennerstown, and let's say that uh, one or two of the other contenders has some bad luck, and Chase goes out and wins or goes out and finishes you know, in the top three, and then continues to do that, um, I really feel like this is the year because it's going to be important. I think this first race at Jennerstown is, is it's going to be critical because those who get off to the, the best start at Jennerstown are the ones that we end up coming out of there looking at as the championship contender is going to be very difficult. If you have a bad day and you finish, you know, out of the top 10, going to be very very difficult to make that up in a six to eight race scenario um especially if the guys who finished above you continue to stay consistent it's it's uh it's really an interesting setup and i think this could be the year for somebody like this team if they can just get off to a good start and get a win uh or you know at least the top three i think they could very well contend for the championship and so um i mean i've watched chase run since legends and you know, it was obvious the kid had talent back then, and, and he's continued to mature, and he's continued to grow as a driver and and, and learn his craft. And, and you're right, the SK racing that he's done is as competitive as the Tour. So, you know, I think he's really got everything he needs right now, uh, the, the cars, the support, the, the, the team, everything's there to go out and, um, and run well. So it's just a matter of uh, seeing what happens when we get to Jennerstown in uh, in a couple of weeks but that was a that was a good interview and um really enjoyable he's um chase is one of those drivers that you really you you feel like would have the talent to go farther if you were given the opportunity but um you know you you uh, i mean i've talked to him a couple times and it feels like he'd be just as happy staying and, and, you know, plowing his trade on, you know, on the wheeling tour. If he can go, you know, contend and run for championships and such, he's happy racing the modified. So um, he could be one of these drivers that over the next uh, 
five years becomes, you know, a, a real um, mainstay and, you know, builds kind of a legacy in uh, in the modified ranks up there. Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that's what Danny Watts is looking for as well. Uh, you know, you look back maybe four to five years ago, Watts was kind of bouncing around between drivers. I mean, he had Ron Silk driving the car at one point uh, for, for a select amount of races, and then Ted Christopher gets in it, and unfortunately, <clears throat> excuse me, Ted's uh, involved in a plane crash on his way to drive for Watts yeah. at Riverhead. We lost Ted that day, so Watts is kind of, back to square one, looking for a driver. He ends up with Woody Pitcap for a while, and Woody won a race for him. Uh, and I guess you call it a race. That destruction that was Wall Stadium last year, uh, <laughs> Woody come out victorious in that. So they're able to get to victory lane, but then they just they just weren't right. They just couldn't get the cars quite right uh, going forward. So they part ways, and then Chase gets in the car, you know, the last couple of races of last year. He didn't run the whole schedule last year. Uh, and, in fact, I don't know that, He's ever been in a position on the tour other than that one year with Rob Fuller in the LFR house car that he's had a chance at trying to contend for the championship. I mean, last year, nine races, uh, he enters for a couple and withdraws for, for various amounts of reasoning. Uh, but he ends up in the car for Watts really three times uh, there at the end of the year. He ends up at Oswego. He starts eighth, finishes ninth. Stafford, he starts 17th, finishes ninth. Thompson starts 16th and finishes eighth. So uh, three top 10 runs. Uh, and I think that's what you're probably going to see out of him again uh, when we do get rolling here this week. Uh, he's probably going to be a top 10 car, whether it's bottom of top 10, top of top 10. Is he in a position to win races? That's kind of yet to be determined. Uh, but Danny Watts, again, one of those guys that puts it all out in the line uh, to, to try to run up front, try to contend for wins in the championship, uh, and looking forward to seeing what he can do in 2020 as one of those guys that's kind of sitting there in that second pack, I think we've talked about it a lot, but your favorites, Doug Kobe, Justin Bonsignor, Ron Silk, Craig Watts. Those are the four guys that have shown that they can be out in front of the pack and winning races. It's that second group that we don't really know about. Uh, and I think that second group includes guys like Dowling, Eric Goodale, uh, things like that. And in general, Tom, the, the, the future is kind of bright for this youth movement. You got guys like Dowling, you got guys like Blake Barney. Uh, trying to come up through this modified tour. Even a guy like Matt Swanson, who's been around a little bit uh, longer, but still very young yes. uh, and in a stout ride as well. The youth movement here, we've said it over the last couple of years, but there's guys that are four or five years down the line could become the Doug Kobe's and Justin Bonsignor's. Well, that's what I was kind of getting at, too, is I think that um, that this is a, a, a team that can evolve and can grow together, and that's, you know, uh, Danny Watts has had, uh, you pointed it out, the, the number of different drivers he's had. You know, you've got to develop some consistency. You see, you see the Kobe's, you see the, the, the Bonsignors, the, the crew chiefs, the cars, the drivers, they all, it all has to be there and the chemistry needs to be there. And so, you know, I think if, if Danny and Chase can, can grow together, can stay together, um, it will give them time to build that program to you know, to what they need, uh, what what Chase needs as a driver, and and um, you know, I don't think they're that far off. So uh, I think the shortened schedule definitely favors somebody like a Chase Dowling, in in the sense that I think it gives them a better shot because if they can get off to a hot start and one or two of the other big guys falters in the opening race or two, then um, you know, I think this is a year when when Chase or or somebody like a Matt Swanson could uh could come up there and and contend for the championship uh so yeah i agree i think the youth movement is very strong you even throw in 
you know, a, a, a Tyler Ripkema, um, you know, and even uh, the Catalano group out of out of Western New York, um, it, you know, as they try to sort of continuously upgrade and 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 have what they need to compete for a championship, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, the future of the tour depends upon these younger racers to be able to. Um, to grow into the part a little bit. And I certainly think Chase is one of those drivers who could do that. Um, with that being said, um, we talk a little bit about some of the tracks and series, uh, Kyle, that um, th- that are still kind of trying to piece together what 2020 may look like. And I know that uh, Stafford has an announcement coming uh, within this week. Uh, and and the first night of racing looks like it may be before the end of June. I think what the twenty sixth up there. Yeah, so that's the plan. Uh, talking to a couple guys, uh, drivers in the area, they are they were more than thrilled uh, to get back on the track, and I think everybody shares that sentiment. But yes, yeah, Stafford announcing this past Saturday, so just a couple of days ago, uh, as we sit here and record this on a Monday, that they're tentatively planning on going back to racing on June twenty sixth. Uh, and this has been a long standing process, obviously for Stafford uh, and Paul Rue and the Arut family over there to try to get open. Uh, and obviously, with the guidelines put in place due to the COVID pandemic, things are kind of gone for a little bit of a, a stir-crazy here uh, over the last couple of weeks. But it gives us the opportunity to look at it from, from face value and say they're planning on practicing on Saturday, June 20th. They hope to race on Friday, June 26th. Now, the exact uh, details around that event, what's going to be there for competition, how it's going to look, are fans going to be allowed? Uh, that stuff not yet released uh, as of when we record this. I know it's coming here uh, at some point later today. Uh, but check back with Stafford's Facebook, Instagram, their Twitter. They're, they're really, really good on social um, about telling you what's coming up. And I think just like every other racetrack, Tom, what we're going to see a lot of, and I think you've seen it down south already as well, we're going to see a lot of what's posted on their website right now the COVID-19 waiver of liability. Yeah. Uh, and the track is going to abide by the guidelines, you know, that the state's given them, the guidelines that the local town has given them. Uh, but when you visit Stafford Speedway, you are assuming that risk uh, that you may contract COVID-19 uh, due to the exposure uh, that you may get from a gathering of, of that size, although be it it's outside and, you know, you're going to social distance and you're going to wear your mask. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're, you're 100% in the clear. Uh, as we're well aware. Uh, and I think that that's something we're going to see at every racetrack uh, going forward. But imagine what this could be like for Stafford, uh, really the first racetrack in the southeastern part uh, of the region to get running. We've seen New Hampshire tracks get running. We'll talk about them in a second. But they've been running uh, for a couple of weeks with no fans. They've got the okay to start running with fans uh, here starting this coming weekend. But Stafford getting rolling could be the, the telltale sign for the future uh, of what could come as well as the Wheel of Modified Tour here in the next couple of weeks. Well, I was going to ask that question because if Stafford can get rolling and they can have fans, does that increase the odds of still having Wheel and Modified Tour events there? I mean, what is the what, what does it look like right now? I mean, it's one thing, as we've talked about in the past few weeks, it's one thing to open up and either not have fans or bring in a partial capacity of fans and have your normal weekly racing. It's another thing to bring in a big show with a big uh, commitment of money up front, like the Wheel and Modified Tour. What does 
what does that look like right now, just based on what we know to this point? I mean, is there more hope now of a wheel and modified tour race there than there, you know, there was a week or two ago? Um, or is this just more of a, a situation where we could see Stafford just concentrating on their weekly shows for, for the balance of the season because they've lost so much time already? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to speculate too far uh, about what could happen. But what I think is going to happen, uh, you know, just from the people I've talked to and the the intel that I have, uh, you know, especially at Seacon, kind of being involved in the opening there, I, I don't see a modified tour race coming down down the path here uh, here very soon. Uh, I don't think you're looking at a tour race within the next couple of weeks at all. Um, I, I just don't think it's it's realistically possible. Uh, for them to jam a, a full crowd of fans in there at all in 2020. Uh, I think it's possible that they may get to 50%. They might get to 75% down the line. Uh, but I think it's hard-pressed that we're going to see race fans stacked shoulder-to-shoulder in a racetrack in Connecticut uh, anytime soon. As much as I'd love to see it, I just don't quite see it being possible. Uh, so that's going to play a role. I mean, we've talked about it before, but the sanctioning fee to bring these races in is not cheap. No, uh, you're looking at upwards of sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars for a track to have to pay to get the modified tour, uh, and that's at a full purse uh, for modified drivers. And unfortunately, you know, a little bit of a reduced purse might work starting this weekend at Jennerstown to get it off the ground, but that reduced purse is not going to fly uh, all summer. So, what's going to happen with the modified tour and Stafford? I don't know. You might see a race at Stafford. You might see two races at Stafford down, you know, more towards late summer. Uh, and their Napa Fall Finals originally scheduled in September, that could go on as scheduled. Uh, and it just really depends. I think we've said it before, but this stuff is changing so often uh, that it's so hard to kind of see what's coming. But that sanctioning fee combined with the low amount of fans uh, and the fact, Tom, that Stafford's got that open modified 80 series that they are having so much success with, it wouldn't shock me at all if we saw no modified tour races there in 2020 uh, due to the fact that that open series has taken off so well. An 80 lap open race. In all realistic purposes, probably cost them half the purse money it does for the modified tour, and I, I'm willing to put money on the fact that it gets them a very similar crowd through the front gate to what a wheel modified tour race might do uh, on most occasions, minus those big weekends. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, I, I still think we're in trouble here. Uh, to be honest with you, you get to get more than six to eight tour races in this area. Well, it makes you wonder then if if Stafford doesn't hold one. Um... Where in New England? I mean, you know, it. it uh, if you look at the original modified tour schedule, it, everything is in New England with the exception of a track like Wall or a track like Oswego or uh, Jennerstown was originally on the tour. Of course, we've already canceled a couple of the races um, down here and Iowa was taken off. Um, you know, you've dropped the New Hampshire date. Uh, so, you know, you look at kind of what's left to say, well, how do we even pull six races together? Where do we go? I mean, a Swigo is expected at this point, or I guess um, hoping to be able to open July 4th with fans. Now, as of right now, nobody really knows what that means, whether it's half capacity or whatever. But, um, and right now, as far as I know, uh, I've been told from those in the know at Oswego that nothing has been discussed and certainly nothing has been 
changed for Classic Weekend, which would mean that the tour race there, at least for the moment, is still on. But, you know, you 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 look at these tracks in New England, if there, if no New England track holds a modified tour race, how do you even get to six? I mean, you know, where do you go? Um, and, and how do you deal with this? Because Jennerstown, we know, is a reduced purse. And as you said, that may work for a race or two, but the teams aren't going to, you know, and I would think if you were, if, if there were ever going to be a, a reduced purse event that would make sense, you put it at a track in New England where the teams don't have to travel as far, so their expense line is not as high. So I, I wonder how we even get to six to eight if the New England tracks aren't going to be able to hold one. How do you even get there? Yeah, I think, uh, well, let's see. Let's look at it uh, from, from the outside looking in. I think you're definitely looking at two races at Jennerstown. I think more likely maybe three okay. uh, if they can get well, off the ground half. running well with this upcoming race. Definitely two. You might get three there. Uh, you're going to get one at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Of course, they've canceled that July race, uh, so you still get that September race uh, in there. You're probably looking at a couple races down at South Boston at some point. Uh, we know oh, that facility okay. is ready for the wheel modified tour. Uh, over the last couple of years. I don't think that they're quite in a position in Virginia down there yet uh, where they're running with fans or anything. No. Uh, so that would have to be waited out. But we are still at June 15th. Uh, and the reality of the situation is you can probably look at it uh, with, with a 2020 eyesight, realizing that the modified tour season could really extend past what it was originally scheduled to do on October 11th at Thompson. Uh, and we could go down south to finish the season. Uh, realistically, you could end up down at Jennerstown, I mean, uh, South Boston, Myrtle Beach, uh, crowning a champion. I think that's more realistic uh, to think that maybe the end of October, early November, you're crowning a champion down south uh, if things are not going up here. The other flip side, Tom, is these New England racetracks could get rolling uh, by the end of the summer, and you could see a back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back sequence between September and October. You know, I could foresee starting with Classic Weekend on Labor Day, four, five, six races in six weeks. Uh, and just finishing the season strong. The question is going to be, what is next? What is immediately next? I don't think you're going to know about three months from now anytime soon. I think what you are going to know is about two weeks from now. Yeah. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Jimmy goes, you know, Jimmy Wilson goes two weeks at a time with this uh, on the schedule. Like, okay, we just finished Jennerstown. We're going racing at the next track on this date two weeks from now. Here we go. And then when you get to that race, then we'll worry about the next one. It might have to be a race-to-race thing, though I know Jimmy, you know, I've talked to him a couple times. They're working hard. They're trying to get everything in uh, and trying to get as many races as they can. But the the path to races in 2020 was so unforeseen. We obviously didn't see this coming. Right. Uh, And they had such a great year of races lined up. And now everybody just sits and waits and waits. And I think it's, you know, even similar for a guy like me that doesn't, you know, doesn't have a car, doesn't sit in the shop and work on it. I go to the races to make a living out of it. I want to know just as much as the drivers, when is the next race? Well, yeah, uh, you'll be because, both. <laughs> you know, that's exactly so, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, anybody a, that's involved in the sport wants to know that because, you know, no matter what your role is, whether you're media like us or you're team owner, driver, or track owner, or business owner that serves the sport, um, you know, you need to be able to project and plan and, you know, make travel plans or whatever, and it's hard to do that. But uh, it does. Yeah, I mean, when you lay it out like that, then at least it still seems like it's possible uh, that we could get to to six somehow. But um, 
it just could take a good while to really get it cranked up. Uh, you know, a race here, a race there, like you said, maybe a couple at Jennerstown. But again, you know, how long do you go with the reduced purse and what does it take to to get it back to full purse? If it takes a full grandstand, then yeah, you're probably, your best hope is a, a run of races in the late summer into the fall. And then weather becomes an issue, um, you know, and that's uh, in some regions and that, that definitely um, lessens your chances that you're going to get all those races in. So, um, it's uh, I guess it's just going to be a week-to-week thing, and uh, we obviously will do the best we can uh, to keep everybody updated. But certainly Stafford reopening, I feel like uh, if they can get open at the end of June, that's going to be a, a really good thing for the state of Connecticut. And, you know, if there are other tracks that aren't open yet, maybe, you know, maybe this helps, maybe this is some sort of a, you know, a, a way for them to say, hey, Stafford's doing it. Here's how they're doing it. You know, maybe we can do it the same way. And, and maybe for some of the cars from some of the other tracks that uh, aren't, you know, aren't open yet or aren't able to open yet, maybe Stafford gives them a place to go for a little while. Well, that's going to be the next thing. Uh, and now we're talking about Connecticut uh, specifically. What happens at Thompson? What happens right. at the New Underwater for a speed bowl? Uh, I don't know, uh, and I don't know what the answers are there. That both tracks have been very quiet, and I mean silent uh, about what could be coming in 2020, which is to me is not a good sign. Uh, number one, number two, if Connecticut's off the ground running, Connecticut had a lot of COVID cases and a governor that seemed pretty stingy on you know relaxing any guidelines. If he's relaxing the guidelines enough to allow something like this to happen, what does that mean for Massachusetts? Uh, you know, we've talked about Seekonk over the last couple of weeks. I've been involved in their reopening plan there. Their reopening plan has already started. Uh, they've had some cars on the track with some test sessions, private rentals, uh, small practice sessions. They've got a schedule throughout the rest of June that's going to include some larger practice sessions with 50 cars at the track at once uh, by the end of the month. And then they're going to take the 4th of July weekend off with hopes of starting racing on Friday, July 10th for their Friday night program with no fans. Uh, per the state guidance, and then they're hoping that Saturday night is coming just a couple weeks later. You know, the target date's August 1st. Is it a little bit before, a little bit after that? That's, you know, to be determined. But does even Seekonk have some leverage now uh, to say, look at what a similar state is doing, you know, the similar state that had similar COVID numbers. Obviously, Massachusetts is a little bit higher than Connecticut, but similar interaction. Let's see how Stafford does this. And then from a governor's office perspective, would they feel comfortable opening the racetrack like Stafford in Connecticut was, knowing that Seekonk may or may not follow those guidelines. And obviously, Seekonk's going to follow those guidelines, I can tell you that. But from a governor's perspective and the governor's office, they can't necessarily trust every single you know, business they open to follow all the guidelines by themselves. Uh, and I think that that's why they're kind of hesitant to open some of these larger gatherings. So, you know, the whole other thing is, what's a gathering? What do they consider a <laughs> gathering of 10 people or more? Is it 150 People across acres spread out is 10 or more, you know, in one pit stall, a small gathering. Then you get another pit stall with 10. Is that okay? I don't know. Um, But it brings into question what the season could look like in New England. You know, we talked about the New Hampshire tracks last week getting up off the ground running with some big events. They did something similar this weekend. White Mountain Motorsports Park running the season opener for the American Canadian Tour on Saturday night. Uh, Jimmy Hubert picking up the win there. They 
actually had fans in attendance at 50% capacity. Uh, and New Hampshire racetracks are now open at 50% capacity. Okay. Uh, with, with race fans going forward starting this weekend, or actually starting June 15th, <clears throat> excuse me, with that new uh, executive order put in place, they can run events with 50% capacity. So good to see, number one, that they're able to do that. Number two, what does that mean for something like the Modified Tour? I don't think very much. The Modified Tour hasn't raced in New Hampshire in, in a good amount of years. Uh, there are a lot of tracks in New Hampshire, uh, but there's been no indication from anybody that the Modified Tour uh, is going to go to New Hampshire. So I don't think that means much. Modified Tour-wise, Tri-Track-wise, it does mean something. Uh, because four of Tri-Track's six races were in New Hampshire uh, for 2020. And I can't say, I can't spill the beans, uh, but there is an update coming uh, this week from Tri-Track officials with their first scheduled event uh, that's coming up here within the next month. So. Tri-Track's going to get off the ground running. And, Tom, we've seen the politics of racing down south with different race tours going up against each other. You know, the season starts in March, and the two tours kind of work out their schedules so nobody's on top of each other. The unfortunate reality of 2020 is I get an odd feeling that one of these tours is going to end up on top of another on the same day, uh, and that's just going to create a complete mess for a driver to have to decide where they're going uh, to compete. Well, yes, and and again, it's one of those. You know, I think we mentioned this on a, on a previous show when you when you shorten the calendar and you have less available dates to race. You know, we we look at the same thing, for example, with the three fifty supers that are trying to split time between um, the New Hampshire area, New England area, and Oswego, which uh, is running them now. Um, again, there was kind of a you know, cooper, cooperative agreement between Star and Oswego not to uh, have too many shows on top of each other. Um, so the cars could go back and forth as they wish to, which helps build the field for Oswego and, of course, add to the field for Star. Same kind of deal. And, and now, again, less available race dates. How do you deal with that? I mean, it's not, um, you know, I think... I think everybody's just going to have to kind of grin and bear it for this year because of the situation, because it's going to be almost impossible um, to, to not, you know, for tri track and the wheel and tour or whatever to, to not, it'd be almost impossible for them to not butt heads at least once or twice, because again, there's only going to be so many available race dates now. And the longer some regions go before they get open and can put cars on the racetrack, the, the more likely that kind of a scenario seems to be. Um, and so it's it's just one of those things, you're right. Uh, you know, we may be looking at some shorter fields at, at some of these shows because of that fact. And again, you know, this is an unusual year, so everybody's just going to have to make their decisions. And, you know, we all just need to get through it and hope that by the time we uh, wake up on January 1st of 2021, you know, we're we're in a situation where we can start the season as normal next year and not have to worry about all of this. And, um, you know, this is, in many ways, this is going to be a lost year for uh, tracks and series alike, because even if you get four or five shows in, uh, Kyle, you know you, you're in on the track side of things now. You know the numbers. You know what it takes to make money. Um, even if you get four or five of your shows in, um, all you're trying to do is is break even or make a little bit off of those shows. And if you're lucky enough to have a marquee show or two, like, for example, a Swiggle Wood with Classic Weekend and Super Dirt Week, 
you can get those two shows in okay and you can put you know your maximum fans in the grandstand then you your season's kind of saved but not all tracks have that and you know it's it's just going to be just going to be a, a get through it as best you can and manage your you know your situation and and hope that by next year this is all a non issue yeah, it's a big hope, uh, yeah. and I think that's a big hope for terrible all the Terrible strategy, in too, but it's all we got. I hope mean, is a terrible yeah, strategy. It, it's so, 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 uh, you're so, so clueless um, on what could be coming here over the next couple of weeks, yeah. the next couple of months, uh, and, and who knows what 2021 is going to bring as well. Right. Uh, so looking forward to seeing how that all plays out, Tom. I think it's fair uh, that we close with what's coming up this weekend, Father's Day weekend, uh, and finally, hopefully, uh, the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour season getting off the ground running uh, this coming Sunday afternoon at the Jennerstown Speedway. No fans in attendance. Uh, and yes, I, I've seen the weather forecast. It's not, it's not amazing. Uh, and I know we're you know four, five, six days out still. Uh, but the weather forecast not fantastic. There is a chance of scattered showers uh, up at Jennerstown or, or west at Jennerstown from where I am, I guess, uh, for the season opener uh, for the Wheel and Modified Tour. It's long awaited here, a couple months behind. This is the first time in the history of the modified tour uh, that the season does not start in April or March. So every year in the modern era from 1985 to now, either started in March or April. And now we are in mid June and we are going to finally drop the first green flag. Uh, entry list not been dropped as of this taping, but I have seen one uh, through some Intel. There are over 30 cars uh, on that entry list to try to get the season rolling on Sunday at Jennerstown. A lot of guys, I think in a position where their cars are ready and they really want to hit the track and they they just want to go race. Uh, so NASCAR is going to benefit from that because uh, there's going to be a barrage of cars showing up there to Jennerstown on Sunday. Tom, Jennerstown, it's a difficult track. It's a tricky track to get a handle on. I talked to Patrick Emerling uh, last week right here for our show, and he said he's run there before, uh, and he considers it more of a neutral track for him because it's not anything like Stafford or Thompson. Uh, there were some cars testing there last week, but this is a completely different racetrack than most of these guys are used to, and I think that even levels out the playing field a little bit more. Well, it does, and, you know, it's a track that everybody, I, the first of all, um, the tragedy here is that we can't have fans because you'd have seven or 8,000 fans there. I mean, that would, um, it's it's the it's the perfect track for a, a tour like the Wheeling Tour, Um but you're right. From a driving standpoint, it's anybody's ball game now. If if you have been able to test there, obviously you've got a leg up. But you know it's going to be an interesting uh, opening race for sure. And we've seen what uh, we've seen how NASCAR racing has changed since um, we got back and, and ran that Darlington show and have been been running ever since this whole stretch. For you know, for those guys, it just seems like the energy level and and the uh, the level of aggression and such has been has been way up, and I think it's going to be that way for the wheeling tour as well because you you just can't afford uh, you've got to get every position you can in every race because you don't know how many races you're going to have to to win a championship. So I I could see this being um, this is a track that that passing certainly can be done. Um, you know, it's a two-groove racetrack, and, and I mean, it's going to be a, I, I can see this being a really, really uh, fun and exciting show, um, you know, and, and, and it's, uh, I think it's a great track to start at. Hopefully the weather holds, you know, again, it's just one of those situations you, 
you know, you it, you just have to to fight through it, and and um, it doesn't look nearly as bad, for example, of a forecast as Myrtle Beach looked a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's uh, it's a you know, there's a chance of some scattered showers, but you know, I don't think it's the hard part is it's a Sunday, so you know, you don't get the benefit of if you've got a Saturday show, you don't get the benefit of a Sunday rain date. You're going up there and racing on a Sunday, so you know. It's going to be interesting for sure. I'm excited about it, and it, it should be a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, I, I think that uh, once these guys can get out and run a race and see where they're all at, then, you know, we'll have a little bit more of an idea going forward, um, you know, w- what the season looks like from, you know, from a competition standpoint. And um, I think everybody just, like you said, I think they just want to get on the track and, and race so you know the reduced purse i guess everybody um has decided that okay let's you know we'll be team players for this show and see how it goes and then we'll kind of take it show by show and see what happens uh it's a tough spot for everybody to be in right now and i just um i hope it's a safe one for everybody and i hope that it works out for the best fair enough uh and i think that's the, the general consensus across the whole modified tour garage area uh, and community, they're, they're ready to run for this purse because, they, like I said, they want to get on the track. Uh, but we'll see about going forward. I don't think that these guys are going to run for this purse all season. Uh, and, and you know, Tom, we've talked about the politics of racing and other tours and stuff like that. There are other tours out there that are going to get rolling at some point yeah. uh, and, and kind of pin some of these drivers to make a decision uh, between a tri-track and a modified tour. Uh, and, and it very well could be that a purse could make a difference for some of these guys on top of the travel time. You know, for most of them in Connecticut, New York, tri-track is probably three, four, five hours away at most. You know, Jennerstown, six or eight. Myrtle Beach is 12. South yeah. Boston's 10 or 12. Uh, you know, Oswego, even for some of them, is, is six to eight hours. So where does that kind of put them to? Are they not willing to travel as far with the limited purse? Uh, stuff like that. Credit, though, to Jimmy Wilson, oh, yeah, uh, the National sure. Wheel Modified Tour team. They are taking a real butt-kicking uh, on social media from all these race teams and, and, you know, Monday morning quarterbacks about how it should have been done. Uh, and they're taking that butt-kicking uh, proudly and continuing on to the next event. Uh, and they're not, you know, they're not <laughs> yeah. really letting that slow them down, which is exactly, uh, you know, typical NASCAR style, not letting anybody slow them down, putting their foot to the floor, uh, and trying to figure out how it's going to work. So credit to Jimmy, uh, credit to his team there as well, all his officials. Obviously, uh, they're going to practice all of their social distancing uh, guidelines, all of their uh, you know face masks are required. Uh, they're going to do temperature checks of everybody entering the facility. I did talk to Jimmy uh, late last week telling me that there are media going to be allowed into the event at a limited capacity as well. Um, Unfortunately, I will not be making the eight-and-a-half-hour trip there and back uh, in the same day. But, uh, you know, the race is also going to be live and free on NBC Sports uh, Track Pass, on NBC Sports Gold, free. Uh, You know, a lot of people had paid for Track Pass already. Uh, They're still trying to work through what that's going to be like. Um, But at least for now, this event's going to be free. Uh, And I think that, um, in a lot of ways, is probably because they don't know when the next event's going to be. Uh, so it's hard to really start charging people for watching a certain number of races when, you know, there's just no insight about what's coming next. So this race, of course, the Wade Cole Memorial, uh, it's the Morocco Welding Wade Cole Memorial 133. 
presented by Dunleavy Truck and Trailer Repair. What a mouthful for a race name. <laughs> uh, but looking forward to honoring Wade uh, and seeing cars hit the track here in a couple of days. And how do you make an acronym out of that one? That's all I want to know. It's impossible. Uh, yeah, exactly. It should be uh, should be fun. And uh, uh, looking forward to trying to catch it uh, on track pass on Sunday afternoon if I can. I'll be out in Indianapolis for the uh, Indy Summer Nationals, which is at uh, Lucas Oil Raceway. Our race is on Saturday, so hopefully we get that in on Saturday. Won't have to use the rain date, and I can spend Sunday afternoon watching the um, modified tour race. But um, I look forward to it. I understand uh, that we may we may have. Uh, from Stafford Speedway, we may have uh, Paula Root on the show this coming week. Next week, uh, the CEO of Stafford Speedway, Stafford Springs Speedway, Stafford Motor Speedway. I always knew it as Stafford Springs when I was growing up. I don't know if they changed the name somewhere or if everybody just kept saying it wrong, but I guess it's Stafford Motor Speedway, right, officially? Yeah, it is correct. Yeah. Stafford Motor Speedway. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Um, talking to him over the last couple of days here, you know, we're going to try to get him for this week, but he's been so swamped uh, with trying to put together all the reopening plans, which by the time you're listening to the show, uh, probably on Tuesday night or Wednesday or Thursday, uh, go to their Facebook, check it out. Cause that reopening plan should be out by then. Uh, so check out what Good. they've got going on. Uh, we'll talk to him next week. He's agreed to come on, uh, chat a little bit about what this pandemic has been like from a racetrack perspective uh, and what their season may entail. We can ask him. Point blank about the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour, what his thoughts are on that, what might be coming for the future there. Uh, and we'll talk to him about a, a barrage of other things, including uh, the history behind Stafford, their SK division. Uh, looking forward to that interview with him this week. Uh, and looking forward to, at some point uh, for next week's show, catching up with the winner of the Morocco Welding, Wade Cole Memorial 133, presented by Dunleavy Truck and Trailer Repair, <laughs> uh, up at the Jennerstown Speedway. Uh, to kick off the 2020 season. Hoping that goes well. Catch it out. Uh, check it out, not catch it out. Live on Track Pass uh, on NBC Sports Gold. Be ready for that. Should be a good show. Should be. And we'll look forward to next week's show. That'll uh, close things out for this week. We thank all of you for joining us and appreciate uh, the opportunity to do this show on a weekly basis. We uh, we ask that you share it out and let everybody know that we exist, not because we want to blow ourselves up, but because we want to blow up the drivers and, and the news and everything. The content of the show is what's important, and we want to get that out to as many people as possible. If you would like to, um, an easy way to make sure you never miss another Mainly Modified show, just go to Spotify or your favorite uh, podcast platform search race chaser radio and then subscribe that's the easy way to do it you'll always know when new shows are out we do five of them a week so you can uh, take your pick we hope you'll listen to them all but uh if not then um choose the ones you like and uh and and be with us each week as we bring you new programming every week uh for kyle souza i'm tom baker thank you to chase dowling for taking the time to do the interview uh, with Kyle for the show, we look forward to uh, hearing next week from Paula Root about Stafford's plan to reopen this year. We hope all of you have a very safe week and weekend, and we'll talk to you next week on Mainly Modifieds. So long. You've been listening to Mainly Modifieds, the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. 
The show is available on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit RaceChaserMedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.